0: welcome you this morning we're thankful that you can be with us and for those of you online we're uh, glad to have you with us this morning and pray that that uh, God's blessings will be upon you and that he uh, his spirit will open our our heart and our understanding to hear and respond to the words that he's given to us in our Romans chapter 5 passage so if you would turn your Bibles to Romans chapter five. Uh, we're picking up with the last part of that chapter, um, and we'll be looking at uh, this kind of summary of of the condemnation upon the human race, uh, the problem of original sin, and the uh, condemnation that it brings uh, to us all, and Christ's justification and uh, righteousness. Uh, So if we could, I would like to read from verses 12 to the end of the chapter, and we'll be looking at this. almost a last uh, section, the last few uh, paragraphs, the last uh, teaching in regard to the first section of the book of Romans through chapter 5 here. Uh, So I'll read out loud. You follow along. And beginning in verse 12, Romans chapter 5. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense." of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift of grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the one On the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation, but on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one death reign through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so, through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of one the many will be made righteous. And the law came in the transgression in that the transgression might increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word and uh, praise God that through the righteousness uh, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, life reigns uh, through our, our Lord and Savior, and we have the wonderful privilege and pleasure of knowing that eternal life through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary for us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this uh, morning. Uh, the, we thank you for the rain yesterday, for your gracious mercy. Is that uh, we're mindful that you are Almighty God who provides for. Uh, his children, or his people. And so, uh, Lord, we come to you this morning to offer up the sacrifice, the praise of our lips to you, for you are a great and awesome and mighty God, and all praise and honor and glory belong to you. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and all things Uh, exist and were created for your purposes and and by your will. Uh, So we acknowledge, Lord, in worship uh, your greatness and majesty and goodness to us. Lord, we thank you for the plan for sending your son that he might Bear our sin on the cross of Calvary that we might know uh, that life in you and that we might be reconciled to you and that we might be even your children this morning as we uh, come to worship. We're grateful uh, for that life given in Jesus Christ, mindful that you have supplied all things that pertain to life and godliness to us through the grace in our Lord Jesus Christ. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places have been granted to us as your children. And we thank you, Lord God, that through our Lord Jesus Christ, we've been born again into new spiritual life. Give us, Lord, by your Spirit, those desires and values that are valuable to you that you know are most meaningful to us. As we look at this passage, Lord, I pray that you would give Uh, clarity of understanding with words that sometimes can be a little confusing, uh, that we uh, look and understand those things because your spirit illumines the truth of your word to our hearts and lives. And we pray, Lord, and lift these things to you in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen. (coughs) Again, (coughs) I did want to encourage you to be uh, praying for Paul and and Joan, at the loss of uh, their son. We uh, did the the funeral um, f- on Friday, and we want to uh, remember to pray for God's comfort for them and their their time of loss. Uh, also, uh, this afternoon we'll we'll be um, <clears throat> going by to sing to to Pat and the Hager family. They're watching online. Uh, her health is decreasing, and, um, and uh, they've called hospice in. Uh, but we want to express our uh, appreciation for uh, the many ways that they've ministered to Grace Bible Church through the years and, and express uh, Christ's love to them. Uh, so join us if you can, if you're able to do that. We're going to line up our cars here. We've got the music in the back, that, that the music that the Hager's... Uh, taught to us, uh, and we'll go and and uh, and sing some of those songs to to Pat and Steve and the family, and pray that God will minister His grace and comfort to them. Uh, but I know that you have been praying uh, very fervently for the Hagers, and we pray that you would continue to do that and minister in what ways we can to them at this time. So. Well, let's look then at verse twelve, um, and we want to consider. There's uh, in the understanding of our, our passage here, <clears throat> if uh, if we just understand the, the two concepts. First of all, there's the condemnation. Just as condemnation entered into the world through Adam, uh, and and so uh, the the topic is the condemnation that That came upon man because of original sin, because of Adam's rebellion against his creator uh, so many, many years ago. Um, but the question that we're we're looking at is is who we are and our identity uh, our identity it's essential that uh, the scripture says that uh, that we that we need to understand uh, our identity, who we were created to be. Um, uh, and knowing that, that proper relationship to our God and creator when it had been broken because of mankind's sin uh, is necessary for us. And what's being explained to us in the book of Romans is that, that God's intention, his plan, uh, is, has been to reconcile us and that's what we find at the, the last of the verses there in chapter five, verse eleven that we've been reconciled through Christ Jesus uh, and this wonderful reconciliation that God has made uh, it comes through the the messiah the second, and it's uh, he's identified here as the second Adam uh, and so we have uh, these that are uh, the the beginning of the human race, first uh, by the flesh, by creation, uh, and then by the spiritual life that's given to us in Christ Jesus. So often in, in Christianity we uh, misunderstand our identity, who we are, uh, but the big question is is often forces is what do we do? We have the tendency to think in terms that, that uh, the Christian life and, and, and everything is related to the work and what we do before God. Uh, but God, through Christ Jesus and through the redemption in Christ Jesus, made it clear that it's more who we are. And so as we look at this passage, there's those that are born to, A, to Adam uh, and the death that came from Adam's sin, Uh, And there's a call for this uh, second identity in Christ Jesus. And Jesus expressed it to Nicodemus by saying, uh, Nicodemus, you must be born again. So our identity is is what is essential, that we must be born again. And this passage makes it clear that uh, there is a line through humanity uh, that... Sin and death, the wages of sin and death have have fallen upon humanity, and then there's life that is given through the Messiah. so my message this morning and the the extent of of what these verses proclaim is that we must be born again. you must be made spiritually alive and the only way that you can be spiritually alive is through Christ Jesus, through his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary uh, to take away the issue of sin and death that was, uh, that was uh, brought into the world uh, through Adam. Um, so Romans 5.5 5 says, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given unto us. Now Christ told his disciples that the Holy Spirit has been with you, but he will be, future tense, in you. And Christ was declaring the inauguration, the the very near inauguration of the new covenant, that at Pentecost the Spirit of God would be, uh, be sent by Jesus who ascended to the Father, and he sends the Holy Spirit to indwell believers. The Scripture says that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. And this gift that has been given is uh, the love of God poured out into our hearts through the giving of his Spirit in Christ Jesus uh, to his children. Uh, So being born again means that. It means that, that those that were spiritually dead are now made alive uh, through the, 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 the covenant that Jesus Christ made in His blood on the cross of Calvary when God made He who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The gift that we're uh, speaking of here in these verses is that gift of the Holy Spirit. And this... Promotion of the new covenant is, is what um, uh, we want to consider this morning uh, of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. But the point, the main point to be made is that we must be born again. It can't be passed on from your parents. It can't be a, a, a reality in our lives because we go to church. It can't be accomplished by anything that we do. It must be what we are. It must be our identity, who we are. And the only way that we can know that identity is by new birth. And the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has declared to us there's new life. That there's life out of this death. That there's life out of the reign of sin. And that we may know these things. You must be born again. We must be spiritually born again as Christ's seed by faith into justification. Because we were physically born as Adam's seed into spiritual death and condemnation. If you just keep these things in mind, some of the, the wording of this passage and some of the things that may get a little bit confusing in our thoughts will be very clear because God is declaring to us that He sent His Son and He became sin for us on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, that we might be born again. Well, how do we get born again? If God causes us to be born again, uh, what, how do we do that? Well, we ask we go to God who is omniscient and, and, and all he, there's, there's nothing that, that he cannot hear and we, uh, we cry out to him uh, because uh, we have been afflicted by sin and death and separation from a holy God. Uh, therefore, it's necessary that, that we each uh, on our own initiative, go to Christ and ask for that salvation that he has, has given and provided. And the scripture says that he died on the cross of Calvary, that he, he, uh, he bore our sin there, that God the Father took sins, your sins, past, present, and future, and placed them on Christ. He made a substitutionary atonement for your sins on the cross of Calvary. And how you receive that is you ask Christ uh, for that life, for the gift of righteousness, for for the supply of what uh, He has done. Because Jesus said that whoever beholds the Son and believes in Him has, present tense, eternal life. And I myself will raise Him up on the last day and believing Christ at His word and trusting that, that He that said this is able to do it, is what it means to put your trust in Christ Jesus. So let's look at, at the, uh, the the ma- two major points here. Uh, just as condemnation entered the world through Adam is the first point. Adam won, sin and death which followed entered into the world. Uh, and then we, we it, it, it takes a break. So it says this just as um, a term here, um, indicates that that there's a a comparison or a contrast. And that comparison comes actually in verse 15, and it says, So justification is a gift to the world through Christ. So that's the the main point of these verses that we're looking at this morning, that uh, death reigned in the world through Adam's sin, that we were born that way, that we were born spiritually dead, Uh, unable in human strength and in the power of the flesh or the wisdom of the mind to uh, attain to that righteousness. So you'll remember in Romans chapter 3, we studied that that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one, none that seeks after God, none that understands. These things are are the the plague that that was on the human race, race before you were born before you had made a decision we were born that way and we can go into the the nursery and see babies and and they're fighting over toys and uh, they 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 keep their turf and and it's the nature that is has been imputed to us through Adam uh, that we see at a very very young age that uh, that we're uh, there's none that seeks after God. There's none. That, there's no fear of God before their eyes, the scripture tells us. So as we look at these things, and let's go to verse 12, therefore just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. So we see Adam here in our little illustration. Here. I love that illustration. Uh, one race in Adam, the human race, came from Adam. So we're looking at this uh, imputation of Adam's sin to all of the human race. And we we look in the book of Genesis and and we find Cain murdering Abel and we get to chapter 5 and it says, and he died and he died and he died. And that's exactly what uh, God told Adam in the garden in regard to the, the issue of of not partaking of the the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, And so uh, Adam's rebellion, his transgression in regard to uh, God's very clear and serious command brought death into the world. Okay? So... <clears throat> Romans 5.12 Therefore just as through one man's sin entered into the world and death spread to all men because all sinned. So death then entered the world through uh, sin. Um, and uh, we see the separation of men from God because of sin. Again the scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the uh, glory of God. Uh, that there's there's none... Uh, That is righteous, no, not one, none that seeks after God. Uh, The description of man is that, um, that all men have turned aside. Together they have become useless. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of the asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. That's a pretty abysmal statement. On the condition of man and who we are, uh, we're identified by these things. If we if we look at, at uh, planet Earth today and we consider the, the cultures, the different nations and cultures that are that are in the, in the world and we see hey, these things are true. Uh, that there's uh, bloodshed, the feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their paths. In the path of peace have they not known? Uh, there's no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be closed. Our condition is abysmal in Adam because of the, the problem of sin and death. And God's plan through Jesus Christ was to deal with those things. So death is entered the world uh, through through one man and death spread to all men. <clears throat> we have a good illustration here. Adam and Adam's sin uh, brought death and death was in, imputed. It was uh, spread to all men through his seed. Okay, So just as through one man sin entered in the world and death through sin and sin... Uh, uh, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. So how does that work? And uh, what are we looking at there? Death spread to all men. Uh, on whom all sin, the scripture teaches us. So um, for until the law, um, okay, this this point uh, four, on whom all sin, our condition is vanity, pridefulness, greediness, arrogance, um, and, and some some sad... The total depravity of, of man, as it's uh, as taught and described in Scripture, doesn't mean that we do all of these things and that we're completely uh, uh, depraved in, in all of these manners, but the, the, our condition is... Uh, that these things are characteristic of our sinful nature of uh, the nature of those that are uh, that follow after Adam and so uh, here at the end of of this verse in chapter 12 because uh, all sin and this phrase is it's a an interesting phrase it says upon whom all sin so the question here is it's kind of a More theological question, Uh, but there's basically two views about uh, how Adam's sin is spread to humanity. Uh, There's actually more views with this passage, Uh, but the idea here is that through one, uh, his sin, his transgression, uh, was spread to all men, and that uh, in that spread of all of these things, um, that it, it came uh, through imputation. And, of course, our view here, and we spoke of this before, was uh, through imputation, um, that Adam's sin is imputed to each of us uh, individually. Individually. And we talked about pretty recently uh, the three facets of sin, that there's sin that is imputed, that was imputed from Adam to each one of us. There's inherited sin that comes from uh, father to children and has passed from generation to generation. And then there's personal sin, these facets of, of sin are characteristic of the human race and are described in Scripture in, in different ways. But here we're looking at sin that is imputed uh, from the, the what we would call, in, in this particular view, the federal headship. Uh, it's imputed from Adam to us. And it's, it's kind of like the best way uh, that I like to describe this idea is that uh, in federal headship, it, it's like when the president of our country declares war on another country, the citizens are, are under that, uh, that declaration of war. Um, so in our citizenship, if we went to Afghanistan, uh, there would be those that would want to kill us because we're American citizens and there's war, there's rebellion, there's a, a, a declaration of war. And that's what took place with Adam as our federal head. Um, One of the the passages that I use to describe imputation of sin is in John chapter 9. The disciples are, are traveling with the Lord Jesus and they see a blind man that they acknowledge that they recognize was born blind from birth. And so their question is, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born again? So you see, the the idea or the thinking of the the disciples was that, well, there's the consequences of personal sin, and someone can be afflicted with this issue of death, the issue of disease, the the problem of uh, the consequences of sin for the wages of sin is death. And so they recognize that sin is the cause of uh, of of uh, death and disease and, and problems. Um, and they, but they also recognize that that there are consequences that come from our parents. So their question is is one sided here. It's somebody caused this particular sin. Uh, to uh, in in this in this man's life, the consequences of sin in this man's life. Well, where did it come from? Uh, it's a good, it's an amazing question, very thoughtful question, right? Uh, and but Jesus' response is is that uh, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So what is, is Jesus saying here and, and where did the problem of sin come from if he didn't sin and it wasn't his parents that sinned that, that caused his blindness? Where was the responsibility for that sin? Where did it come from? Well, it was imputed to the human race from Adam in his rebellion against God. And um, so that's imputation and that's the view of federal headships, the view that I hold... In regard but there's another view um, but oh let me let me share this this other passage with you in Deuteronomy 24:16 um, the scripture says that fathers shall not be put to death for their sons nor shall sons be put to death for their fathers but everyone shall be put to death for his own sin. Now what the way that we understand uh, sin and and judgment for sin, is that there's personal responsibility for decisions that we make for disobedience, for disobeying God, or for obeying God, uh, and that there's an accountability to God for those things, and those things are based upon a just standard, a just standard given by God in regard to, uh, to whether we obey Him as our God or we do not obey Him as our God. Um, so... Uh, and, and what we understand from scripture here in this passage and other passages is that that a, a person individually is responsible uh, for for their choices, for their decisions, for the volitional uh, decision that one makes in accordance with the light and the truth that God has given to them right and, and this this principle of justice doesn't change. Uh, with um, the the issue of imputed sin from Adam, um, but uh, there's a, another aspect of of that is that uh, that the the consequences of sin are carried on from generation to generation, from Adam to us, uh, and uh, that those are, are are what we deal with, which was the case for this blind man. Never made a decision. Uh, In disobedience uh, before God to be born blind. Okay, so I say this, and and to me the significance of this truth in Scripture is that that we so relate. um, If I do these things before the Lord, then I will avoid these consequences. Uh, Don't we? We think, in terms of uh, uh, you know what caused this, what was the the cause of this effect, and if I uh, uh, just walk within these parameters then then I will avoid uh, these consequences, this effect, but that wasn't the case with with um, job was it um, Job walked within the parameters and yet. Uh, there was a test and trial that came upon him for reasons that that job did not understand uh, and and the friends that came and, and visited with him uh, they uh, searched for the cause you know well, you got some sin in your life there's there's something that, that you did that caused this or brought this about and uh, but uh, we're given a glimpse in the heaven of this spiritual warfare, and that, that Satan said, "Well, Job, uh, he serves you only because it's to his benefit, only because that service will will benefit and bring about uh, uh, your favor and, and blessing upon his life. Take it, take it away, and he won't he won't serve you. Uh, take it away and see what happens." And God took it away. Uh, and and so there was this this conflict of of rebellion against the Creator in heaven that Job was addressing in his life. So, but there's a standard of justice that we understand, and yet there is there are things that we do not understand, uh, and things that, as we look back to chapter five, where it says um, that we not only boast in uh, this access in the glory of God, but we also boast in tribulation. Why would we boast in tribulation? Why would we boast when when things like what happened to Job happen, uh, happens to us? Uh, what would possess someone? And we're given a, such a, a wonderful example by our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary uh, as he was going there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed, Prayed to the Father, and it demonstrates to us that that with our our trials and with the sorrows that come in our life, that we should um, um, that we should pray uh, to that they would be removed from us. Because Jesus said, "Nevertheless, uh, Heavenly Father, um, remove this cup from me." You, you're able to do all things. Remove this cup from looking at the cross of Calvary and the sorrow and the, the tribulation of it. Uh, but then he, he, he prayed, Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Uh, so that submission to the Father's will and the plan that God had, whereby he would take something that is so bad and turn it into something so glorious. That's the power of God. And so why we would boast in tribulation is because God is is doing that. He does that in our lives. He does that through our tribulation. He does that through our sorrow. And is able to do such things. So we entrust ourselves to Him. We humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. For in due time He will indeed exalt you. And therefore Jesus was given a name above every name. And if that and at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess, and that that He would conquer, that He would have dominion over the heaven and the earth, because of His sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. So these things in regard to sin and 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 how. Uh, it works, and how we understand it should be through the grace principle that's given to us in these verses. Now, there's another view that is held, in, and you should know about it, that a natural headship view believes and holds that, that uh, it is a seminal uh, transferral of, uh, of Adam's sin to those who were in Adam at the time only by seed. Uh, simply because uh, they were, how would you say, uh, like th- at one point in the book of Hebrews, it says that uh, that when Abraham gave a sacrifice to Melchizedek, that Levi, the Levitical priest, was in the seed of Abraham, and therefore Levi made the sacrifice in Abraham uh, through that seed. Again, you know, if you hold uh, this view, then there's responsibility that is is given there that that doesn't fit in regard to the things that we look at in chapter in verses or chapters one through three in regard to judgment and condemnation that falls on people uh, because of of light that's given and light that is rejected, uh, willfully rejected in their volition. Uh, that couldn't happen with uh, with Levi or with those who were in Adam. So the idea of seminal headship is that you were in Adam in his seed, therefore uh, you committed the sin. Uh, but I believe it's contrary to the concept of justice in Scripture. Con- contrary to the the concept that that uh, runs throughout Scripture that says no, that one is responsible for the light that's given to them and the rejection of that light about God or about His commandments, right? Okay, I hope I uh, maybe cleared something up. I'm 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 concerned that I may have uh, left people more confused than than uh, with light there, but. Um, in in Exodus thirty-four verse seven, God who keeps loving kindness for thousands and forgives iniquity, transgression and sin, yet He will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on children uh, and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. So, what is that all about? Okay. So, uh, and I, I believe that there's a difference between uh, the concept of iniquity. Uh, because there are, the consequences of sin is death and that those things carry over to the third and the fourth generation and certain propensities towards sin I believe uh, and we've talked about that before I know that they transfer uh, from fathers to their children which is pretty, uh, pretty uh, heavy responsibility and burden on fathers out there uh, but the scripture gives indication that that our particular propensities towards sin are carried over to our children, and uh, that, um, that, that iniquity, and that both the consequences and, and some of the characteristics of sin in our lives uh, transfers from fathers to sons and to grandchildren up to the third and the fourth generation. But God's loving kindness, He breaks that through His grace in Christ Jesus, of course. Okay. I, I, I hope I haven't confused everybody in regard to these uh, concepts and things in Scripture. But the, the big thing to remember and to think of is that, uh, that we're responsible for the light that God gives to us. Uh, and that holds uh, each one of us um, uh, to that accountability that every mouth may be stopped and that the the whole world may become accountable to God, because through the law no flesh will be justified in His sight. Uh, so, it, where does it bring us? It brings us to the to the end of ourselves, to the end of any hope that through our works or our goodness that some way, how, or some way we might obtain to uh, that relationship with God. Uh, and so, what does what does God do through grace? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, he makes provision for us. So uh, moving on here uh, to point uh, five. Okay. Uh, Those who live before the law sinned. Uh, And this is in verse uh, 13. uh, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Okay, so he's still speaking with the Jewish people here, right? Uh, and the issue of law uh, and, and their idea that uh, through the keeping of the law, they might attain in some way to the righteousness of God. Paul is dispelling that, that view or that idea that in some way, uh, there's, there's, there's something that, that can supplant the idea that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, and that that there's some other way other than being justified freely by the the grace that is found in Jesus Christ through the redemption that is found in Jesus Christ, and it's being dispelled. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. So, what does that mean? Because the law wasn't given until Moses, and uh, and I've had this conversation before with different people. Um, well, uh, you're wanting to put people under the law again because, uh, and, but I, I'll say, okay, um, in Sodom and Gomorrah, they didn't have the law. Uh, why uh, were they guilty under sin uh, if there, there was no law? Sin is not imputed when there is no law. Well, what were they guilty for? In Romans chapter 1, describe that, right? Um, in Genesis 6, 5, it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So we see the, the, the reign of death and the reign of sin uh, before the law. Genesis 5, Sodom and Gomorrah, we, we see the, uh, the Canaanites, the Amorites, and God's judgment that fell upon them. Where did that judgment come from and how did it fall upon them if sin is uh, is only imputed uh, by the, the violation of the law? Uh, sin is not imputed unless there's a command uh, transgressed is the point in, ver- in uh, point six here. Sin is not imputed to an account unless there's a command transgressed. So Adam tra- trespassed or he transgressed under, uh, to those under the law of Moses, uh, and uh, let me say this, Adam transgressed a direct command that God gave to him. And under the law of Moses, there was transgression of direct commands and special revelation that God gave to the nation of Israel. But what about those that were between Moses and between the law? and 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 what does it mean if if sin is not imputed unless there is a command well uh, and Paul's making this this point here um, for uh, sin is impu- not imputed unless there is a command. for condemnation is based upon the conscience of good uh, 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 consciousness of good and evil. Uh, and so what happened? Uh, with Adam's sin was was man was given conscience and understanding of good and evil. Um, so uh, condemnation is based upon uh, the the understanding that we have of good and evil. Man had conscience, uh, therefore judgment fell on those from Adam to Moses uh, through conscience and understanding of good and evil and decisions that were made in regard uh, to that good or evil uh, in regard to their conscience and that which was revealed to be, uh, uh, by God. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. For God, uh, for that uh, the creation, for all the creation, uh, his invisible attributes, um, uh, for God made it evident through them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what was made. Therefore, uh, so they are without excuse. Well, what was that about? Well, that's that's that. Those things that are known in God's creation. Has, uh, has been revealed uh, from heaven and their rejection of it, the rejection of that light and that truth is the basis for their condemnation. So uh, condemnation is based upon the conscience of, uh, consciousness of good and evil. Uh, according to Romans 12 for, uh, 2, verse 12, for all uh, who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. Uh, There's a justice in that. It's it's very very clear and evident. Paul has made it clear in the teaching of of judgment and condemnation in these uh, chapters. So condemnation then is based upon the amount of revelation rejected. Uh, For those that didn't have the law uh, but uh, knew... uh, the invisible things of God from creation and rejected those things uh, and suppressed that truth, they're judged on the basis of that suppression of truth that was innately within them as being created in God and in His image. Um, So, you know, when we're speaking with unbelievers, and we understand that 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 judgment that uh, has fallen upon them uh, has made them spiritually dead. What do we do with someone when you're trying to uh, to speak to them about spiritual matters and they're spiritually dead? Uh, how do you do that? Um, well, we don't don't really know all of those things, but we do know uh, this, that, that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to convict of sin and of righteousness and of the judgment to come. So as we share the gospel, we speak the gospel, we proclaim the truth of the gospel, we say... Uh, you know, believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because He paid the penalty for this. You're speaking to dead people. Well, how do they hear? Well, it's you know, clearly they don't, they don't hear because we uh, are able to 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 pull together clever ways of of convincing them of truth. Uh, they have to be a dead person has to be. Uh, Given special illumination, the Holy Spirit has to do a work there. That's why anyone that goes into evangelism that doesn't pray, that doesn't seek that, that God and that God's Holy Spirit brings the illumination of truth and the conviction of sin, it's a fruitless effort because it can't be accomplished by man. Man can't save people. And so as, as God's children and, and given the, 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 the responsibility of sharing the gospel and being commanded to go and share the gospel, then we, uh, we need to go in humility knowing that the power of God, the Spirit of God is working in us to communicate to dead people. They're not going to hear unless, uh, Jesus said, unless the Father draw them, no man comes to me. And it's true because why? Because the scripture very clearly says that we're spiritually dead. But we're called to proclaim the truth. So as we proclaim the gospel, God must save people. That that takes a a big burden off our our shoulders, right? Uh, And in fact, most people are going to be offended with the gospel, but some will not. Some, uh, the conviction of the Holy Spirit will bring them to the to the clear knowledge and understanding that, that that sin in their lives is separating them from their God and their Creator and they'll be born again. They'll come to new life in Jesus Christ. So point seven here then is that death reigned over those who did not transgress uh, like Adam. Uh, and... Uh, this verse, Nevertheless death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is the type of him who was to come. So what's the scripture saying there? It's saying that death reigned in between the the, uh, transgression that Adam made when he violated what God clearly told him and the the law that was given, so all of these Jewish people that Paul's speaking to in Roman, in the, uh, in Rome, uh, they're uh, they're seeing okay, the law was given and uh, and there, it was transgressed, it was violated, so th- that sin was imputed to them. But there was also the offense of those uh, before, uh, between Adam and the law. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's it matches uh, our understanding of what's been taught in the earlier chapters, and Paul is summarizing those things now. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had sinned in the likeness of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. McLaren had uh, one of our the um, ex uh, the uh, teachers ex- expositors. Uh, said that sin is a vastly greater thing than mere transgression of the law. Sin is lawlessness. It exists where there is no law. Uh, So there's a a growing lawlessness within mankind. Uh, And there are many that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, never heard a verse out of Scripture, uh, but there's a, a lawlessness, a death and separation in their persons and in their lives that is is needed to be addressed. And so may we love and value the things that God loves and be about what God has called us to be about, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, um, and here's the second major point. So justification is a gift to the world through Christ Jesus. Um, there was a deliberate act of rebellion on Adam's part, uh, but... God, through Jesus Christ, through the Messiah, uh, sent one to address this issue of sin. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45 says, Also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So the Christ, the Messiah, is identified as the this last Adam or second Adam in Scripture uh, because he's He's the giver of life, the giver of the spiritual life. So Adam brought death. The Messiah brought uh, the life-giving spirit. That giving of the Holy Spirit uh, is what was needful for dead people to have new life, a life-giving spirit in Christ Jesus. And Adam is a type of the coming Christ. So he was a type. Um, And uh, it's just a a manner, a way in which God uh, teaches us. Uh, There are certain things about Adam uh, that are compared, that Christ is compared with, uh, and uh, that life in God's family is related to. Uh, Romans 5 verse 14 says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him... That was to come. Death reigned uh, over um, Adam uh, here. And Genesis 3.15 has this to say, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise his heel. And, of course, this was speaking to Satan himself, uh, that uh, great angel that fell and rebelled against God. And... Uh, he was the promoter of that rebellion uh, to Adam and, and to mankind. Uh, so that enmity was between the coming Messiah, the woman's seed, and God's plan for mankind's redemption and reconciliation was through the woman's seed, uh, through our Lord Jesus, born of a virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and uh, the word taken upon himself flesh. He uh, came and dwelt among us that he might be the sinless Lamb of God to bear our sin on the cross of Calvary and to bring redemption to mankind. So the transgression then uh, in Adam brought death to many and it's contrasted by the grace gift of Jesus abounding to many more. So this illustration is pretty good. Can you see that there? Is is that visible to you? Uh, The trespass from Adam was imputed to each one or to all through condemnation, but the free gift was, uh, was transferred from Jesus to all and to justification. So one sin brought death to all, uh, but on the other hand, uh, one sacrifice brought life to all and, and through many transgressions. Um, so uh, Romans 5.15 says, But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of one the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. So the results uh, of the transgression is that that many died. Okay. In your notes there, uh, the results was that many died. Um, and the reign of Christ here is contrasted with uh, the reign of Adam. So death reigns through the transgression of Adam. Let's see. Um, um, the free gift is uh, from many transgressions resulted in justification. Uh, Just as the judgment from one transgression resulted in condemnation, the free gift from many transgressions uh, uh, resulted in justification. Um, The results of God's free gift then is that justification abounds to many. Uh, The gift of justification is contrasted and the judgment in Adam being condemnation. Uh, So... Uh, verse 16, um, the gift is not like the, that which came about through the one uh, who sinned. For the one, one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift from many transgressions unto justification. Um, and then uh, in verse 17, the reign of Christ contrasts the reign of Adam the reign of Christ contrasts with the reign of Adam. In verse 17, it says, For by the transgression of one, death reigned through one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. So death reigns through the transgression of Adam and grace reigns through uh, the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We're given life and it's imputed to us just as death was imputed to us from Adam. uh, So life, eternal life is imputed to us uh, through Jesus Christ. The transgression, death reigns uh, through the transgression. The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness uh, reigns through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So to be born again means that the abundance of God's grace and the gift of righteousness is given to us not by works that we've done but through the grace that has come through our Lord Jesus Christ and has been given to us uh, because of his work on the cross of Calvary. His righteousness and that transferred righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ to to you is what it means to be born again again that grace gift is received through faith. It's believing that Jesus Christ had the power and that he had the willingness uh, to express that kind of love to you. Uh, So to become born again, you must be born again, means that by God's grace, through faith, we put our trust in Jesus Christ to save us uh, from our sins. Uh, may we know that salvation, and may we proclaim that salvation uh, to the lost who may have such great need, and may we carry the burden that our Lord Jesus had uh, to love so greatly and to uh, to work through the gospel. Uh, Titus three five has this to say, not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of his Holy Spirit. So again, the idea is that God poured out his love on us through the Holy Spirit who was given unto us. That is eternal life. It's new life in Jesus Christ. It's what's necessary for each one. And there may be one that is here that is known about Christ, that is known about church, that has participated in many religious things, but never has personally trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that if that is the case, if I'm speaking to one who is here that is dead, that has not heard of the, of the, the promise uh, of, and, and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross of Calvary for you. I pray that your heart would be awakened and that uh, in the feeble cry of of a lost sinner, of a a person that is under the burden and the reign of death, that you might bear your plea before the Lord Jesus Christ and receive that gift of salvation in Jesus Christ this very day. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, and for what you have done through our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, heavenly Father, that we would proclaim the the love of 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 your love uh, for for all that would come, for all that would call upon the name of Jesus, uh, or brought into the family, as many as received them, received our Lord Jesus. To them, He gave the authority, the power to become children of God. Uh, Lord, we're so thankful to be your children uh, and to have put our trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. My faith has found a resting place not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living One. His wounds for me shall plead. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. Thank you, Lord God, for your salvation in Christ Jesus. Uh, We pray and And ask that you would go with us, that we might walk in your power and your grace these days. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.